0: Welcome to the Rural Sales Show with my dad and host, Sinjin Craner. Each week, my dad interviews people who you can learn from, like sales and marketing experts, authors, and performance coaches, to help you and your rural sales team get to the next level. Oh, and make sure you subscribe or rate us on iTunes so you can buy me a motorbike. And now, here's my dad. <coughs> This week we have a guy by the name of Chris DeFay. Chris is a fitness coach. Uh, he is a very, very successful business person, father of four to his beautiful wife Lauren. Um, I got Chris on the show. He is a. He talks a lot about mastery. He talks a lot to men, predominantly a male audience. Um, I've been following him for a while. I like him because he shows enormous discipline, commitment, mastery, self-awareness, and is setting, I think, a very good example to males, many above his own age. Um, And he's been an incredibly successful businessman. And we have a really big, deep chat. This one's pretty powerful, a little bit different, because we go quite philosophical. uh, And we're talking about mastery, uh, the importance of booking time to reflect, um some of the values, philosophies, rituals he's used to get to where he needs to get to in life. And it's a pretty pretty impressive place he's got. But it hasn't been easy for him. Uh, he'll share his story with you in terms of how he started off and how he burned out a number of times. Um, so incredibly grateful to Chris for coming on the show. Uh, His time is very, very valuable and often of high demand. So the fact we got on the show is a real, real treat. So as always, listen and learn. And um, yeah, really listen to this one because he does talk to you, dear listener. He really, really talks to you. So, as I say, if you're listening in the truck, uh, doing the sales calls or, or listening to us while you're walking the dog or jogging or at the gym or else, uh, this dude is definitely worth a listen to. He sets a very fine example to all us males. So uh, yeah, this definitely is a male episode, but yep, yeah, plenty to take out for the guys and the girls too. So enjoy this one, learn, apply, and uh, let me know what you think. Okay, guys, we've got a very uh, special human being on the show today, Chris DeFay. Uh, Chris is uh, someone that sort of uh, started appearing appear in my world over the last few months, courtesy of a very, very good uh, business coaching group that I'm very privileged to be on. And uh, Chris didn't take too much persuasion uh, to come on the show, which is great, because he's going to drop a lot, I think, a lot of value and talk to a few of you around uh, mastery, around discipline, commitment, all the things Um that We kind of covered off in some of the other podcasts. So, Chris, rather than me rattle on my man, um, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, brother. I really appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
0: Awesome. Chris, why don't you start by telling our guys and girls a bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you came from, uh, where you started and where you are now? Because you've got a pretty, pretty interesting story.
1: Uh, I appreciate it. All right, let's um Where did it begin? Uh, From the beginning. uh, My parents were both 17 years old when I came into the world. And so I have a unique position where I grew up with my parents and grew up in a home where we didn't have money. Um, I, from a very early age, not exactly knowing how or why, but saw that money was an important thing for someone to be able to live a good life uh was always athletic uh could would always play all the sports was pretty good at them but uh as a kid and as a teenager i was really really overweight um Mm -hmm. and i had numerous coaches say to me in numerous sports be like dude if you lost the weight like you could play national level like like you're good sort of thing but that held me back in a lot that obviously really held me back mentally as well like as in like my self-esteem of myself Mm -hmm. and Uh, Then when I finished school, I became a personal trainer because I wanted to take care of myself. Like I needed to fix my own stuff. I then became a personal trainer because I started to get myself in shape and I wanted to help others go through that transformation. And it wasn't the, the physical outside transformation. It was the inner transformation that would happen when you take. So as above, so below in so many of the cases. And so... Then becoming a personal trainer at eighteen, I grew a very successful personal training agency business throughout Sydney. Um, I married my the woman of my dreams when I was twenty four, and then uh, I was I was doing I was doing good from the outside. Let, let's just say that I was, I was doing yeah. good. I, I was like. I was ticking the boxes that culture and society was telling me to do. And then I found myself, we just bought our second property in Sydney, mm-hmm. uh, moved in, just had it renovated. Do you know what I mean? I'm 24 at the 25 at that time. And I just had this despair inside of me, being like, something's off. Like, it's just mm-hmm. something was off. And I was not happy. And from the outside looking in, I was like, no, I'm doing good. Anyway. Uh, I had the opportunity come up for me to go to Dubai, to move to Dubai and to start a fitness business there. And I immediately, and three days before that, we found out my wife was pregnant with our first child (laughs) and I took the, I took the opportunity. And so I sold my car. uh, We sold our house. I gave all my clients away. Uh, my wife stayed in Sydney and moved in with her parents while I moved to Dubai. And I had three months. My wife was six months pregnant at the time, and so I had three months to get to Dubai, get this business up and running, and then get my ass back to Sydney in time for Lauren to give birth to our eldest daughter, uh, Arlo. I have four daughters now as well, so there was you uh, know the, the family has <laughs> continued to grow. Right. Um, and then I did what I needed to do. I slept on a couch for three months. I bled through my forehead in working as well and as I possibly can. I got a business up and running. I flew back. Lauren gave birth. We all moved to Dubai. And then after a couple of years, I found myself burning out again. And I was like, mm. "Shit!" We're like, all right, mm. this what I'm doing. The model that I was working in was not right because I I prided myself. On what I call today like the warrior archetype. I could run through wars. I would say like I would say to business coaches, tell me where to run, I will run through wars and I will make it happen. Like I will get it done. I know I am one of the most disciplined people that you will meet. Um, doing the work is not the problem. Uh and so I hit a massive, massive uh speed bump when i realized i wasn't being the father i wanted to be i wasn't being the husband i wanted to be i wasn't being the man that i was wanting to be and i was crying to my wife and she was like all right you know what we've just got to we've got to change this immediately right now and so i was just starting my online fitness business at the time this is back what
0: age were you then chris sorry to jump in how old were
1: you then it was 2014 uh so what i was 26 yeah um, and then I was just starting the online fitness business and I was like, I enjoy this. This is good. I think I'm actually good at this. This feels so much better. Like this This feels smart. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like Because what I call today is like if someone has a job, but especially what I say in the expertise kind of fields is I was in the time for money trap. I had to sell my time to be able to collect a dollar on the end. That was how the transaction was done. Yeah. Not a great model that I believe in today. And so no scale, one on one PT, yeah. Just limited in so many cases. And that was the thing. Like I was working my ass off. Do you early, know what I mean?
0: Early, early 5-8, 5:30 a.m. client. Dude, I,
1: yeah. I was like, I had six AM clients. I'd wake up at 4:30 every single morning. Um, and then I wouldn't get home until 6 p.m. Do you know what I mean? Literally doing that six days a week. I was taking Fridays off because in Dubai, I like doing Fridays today off. So I was taking Fridays off. Yeah. And uh that just wasn't working. And so anyway, then we sold everything, smoke bombed Dubai and went to Bali thinking it was going to be one year of living in Bali to kind of give us the space to be able to get this online business up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, one year turned to nine years and we only just recently um, moved back to Australia. I'm the Australian right now. We kind of live between a few different places, but that's a different story altogether. Mm-hmm. Um But when I moved to Bali, I started the online fitness business, grew that. Then I fell in love with business more than I was in love with fitness. And Mm. the changes I saw in the people that I worked with when it came to business uh, just encapsulated me, fascinated me because I was like, wow, if I help someone be able to like change their business, earn more money, doing the work that they love... Seeing the changes that happened on a like a whole the holistic view of their life. Mm-hmm. Oh, that just lit me up. I was like, yeah, okay, this is really good. So looking back, it's all been, I've just been solving my own problems and I'm just helping people do you know what I mean as I solve my own problems. Because to be perfectly honest, now um I sold was four months three, four months ago. I don't know, I sold my company. Um which was amazing. It was something I've wanted to do for quite some years and I was super wrapped, but I celebrated for 30 minutes and then got working into the next thing and I was already into like what I want to do now. So, I was, I was very clear with what I wanted to do and why I wanted to sell my company. Because for me, it was very much a case of I want to be more, I don't want to have more. And that might not resonate with someone if they haven't gotten to that level, but It was a case of I'm just not here to just earn more dollars. There's, I had a hole inside of my heart that was not possible to be filled with money. And I knew that. And I think I had some sort of like inkling and wisdom and insight into why that was. Mm. And so now um, I'm in a position I never thought I would ever be in. And working on the, with my partners that I do now, being able to have the space to learn the things I want to learn and, re- like, really master things mm. and being able to then look at my life in a very, how, how am I as a father of four daughters? How am I as a husband to my wife, Lauren? Do you know what I mean? How am I with my relationships and my friendships and especially my male relationships that I have? And, that like, that being an extremely important part of my life was, to be honest, dude, like, the last 15 years, I completely neglected that. And so,
0: I'm so sorry to jump in. I'm so glad you said that, Chris, because I see a lot of guys neglect their male mates. Uh, they get sucked into marriage and they try and be the good father and the good husband, and they neglect. And yep. unfortunately, when shit hits the fan, those mates aren't there for them because they weren't there for them. And and it's we're, we're going to unpack that a bit more. I just want to pick on that. It's very very important. Very very yeah, important. I, I, I think women it, are so good at the emotional support. They've got mm. amazing support networks. They talk. They communicate. They love each other. They got each other's backs. Us males, we are shit house at that.
1: We are, and I very much want to change that story for us. I because having close connections in with my male relationships, and I it's a small number. Like it's a very small handful of number of these men that I have in my life, but it's profoundly important. I believe because iron sharpens iron, and we need to be able to have someone that on the same hand is going to be able to fully support you, um, but they're also going to pull you up and keep you to the expectations and the standards that we should be living at as well. And that's that's important for me because I think one of the most critical things that we need to be conscious of, aware of, um, doing, bringing forethought to is, what's the relationship that I have with myself? Mm. And do I have esteem within myself? Because the thing is, I know whether I've done right or wrong, right? Like I you can't, you can't bullshit a bullshitter at the end of the day. And the fact is I'm the one that's witnessing me being able to have the thoughts that I do, follow through with the actions that I say, keeping my word to myself. Like if I say I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go to the gym in the morning and I don't go to the gym in the morning, you are casting a vote that is going to be poisonous into telling a story about yourself that can really go backwards. And so I think this is probably a pro- doing a side tangent I'm taking right now, but it comes up for me as something that's very important because we can, as men, or as anyone, but I'm just going to be specifically talking to us men. Yeah, brilliant. Author the stories for where we are. Now, on the same side, because I very much am, I, I study a lot of philosophy. I, I dedicate a lot of time and money to studying philosophy. And so, when I bring this up, I also want to be able to talk to, well, there's there's two sides to this pendulum. And all great minds are able to hold a paradox, That's what we're supposed to be able to do. We're supposed to be able to hold a paradox and hold the tension of what the paradox is in our minds, Mm -hmm. because that's where I think some great insights and great peace comes Mm -hmm. from as well. Mm -hmm. And so when I say, hey, let's think about the listener right now. I I want to talk directly to the listener, right? Dude, you, is there tension? Is there a longing? Is there a wanting? Is there a gap in your life right now that's causing you stress, strain, anxiety, some sort of negative feeling. And it's perfectly fine if there is because there's probably where I am right now and there is where I want to be. And there's this gap in between Mm -hmm. this where I am and where I want to be. But what am I doing to be able to feel the gap? And what am I doing for me to importantly have equanimity to be able to live through this as well? And so, what a lot of people do is I'll say, like, they'll this is the social media stuff that you know we probably all see. Whereas like, you can do anything. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can you can you can achieve all, you can go and achieve everything you want, you can have all the money, you can do all the things. Now, I'm gonna be the first dude to say, you know what, you can really have a life that has it all. Because for me, having less compromises has been really fucking important. And I really mean that. Because for me, I saw men achieve professional success but then they're out of shape I saw them be able to do it, earn heaps of money but then they've got really shitty relationship for their family do you know what I mean it's just like and to me I see it as being one dimensional there are one dimensional men right now and that is not a man that is going to best serve society and that's what I think we're here to do. we're here to serve at the end of the day when I've been when I've had depression I've been diagnosed with depression before it's me being like caught up in my own problems and it's not thinking about other people do you mm-hmm. know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. it's a very selfish attitude in which it comes about uh the way i see it and so there's the ability for us to be able to say okay there is a philosophy that t- talks to um, fa- a fatalistic viewpoint in life, which is, do you know what I mean? Everything is pre written. Everything's going to happen the way that it is. What's the absolute point of me really caring? Because do you know what mean? there is, is fate. Yep, yet, there is something out there as well. Mm. Okay, cool. There's no right and there is no wrong, right? I'm not saying that. We're just stating it as this. On the other side of the pendulum, mm. there is the case of free will, which is, you know what, you can go and do anything you absolutely want to do. And very much to the rah rah self development stuff that we hear today right? But that sets us up for a certain failure because there is lady luck. There is the goddess of fortune at the end of the day where it plays out things that I don't have control of. So for me, it's extremely important to know what do I have control of and what do I not have control of, and being able to put my focus, attention, energy, and effort into that. Because for me, that's what's created peace. And when I think about life, I think about optimizing for peace. That's me. For me, I'm, like, I'm optimizing for peace at the end of the day. And for the other word that I kind of vibes with me a little bit more would be equanimity. I want to be I've equanimous throughout the day. That.
0: I've picked up on that. And you, yeah. So unpack that a bit for me. Equanimity. Describe that to me because for me, I also get a bit lost when you use that word. So
1: tell me. Yeah. For me, equanimity is the state in which you're unmoved. For, so for me rather than trying to be wordy, I use a visual image of myself. And quite honestly, I think of myself as the loving mountain, right? I want to be a mountain because a mountain is unshakable. It is unmovable. The storm can ravage around it and the mountain is still going to be there. And Mm -hmm. it's still going to be having its essence and its power. And it doesn't matter about what's happening all around it. Now, I first came upon this concept, especially thinking of it as in a within my marriage and being like the masculine male is the 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 grounded mountain mm-hmm. and the feminine energy is the mm-hmm. storm that can doing ravage around it and that's mm-hmm. the good thing I know I when I applied that concept and reasoning to myself uh, my marriage was incredible and we've been married for a bit over eleven years now and it was because I was able to bring a strength to the relationship that was. I was steady. Like people can lose their shit. People can be like flying up and down. They'll see some sort of news and they're they're emotionally here, there, and everywhere. But for me, it's literally being able to create a state in which I'm just steady. (laughs) That's where equanimity comes such important because at the end of the day, and this is what kind of helped me conceptualize it better, everything's just a story. So in Buddhist philosophy, there is the kind of there's the notion of there is relatively truth and there is ultimate truth, right? And it's said in there is no right and there is no wrong, right? Which is ultimate truth. But right is right and wrong is wrong. Yeah. Relative truth. Do you know I mean? Yeah. And again, that's a paradox at the end of the day, and which you need to be able to uh you know I mean hold peace within. So <laughs> for me, it was like bring this together, it was. How can I make sure that I can build a life for myself where I want to be in like, I literally want to be in world-class shape. I want to be in a multimillionaire working in multimillion-dollar businesses. I want to have complete financial freedom, which I do now. I want to have an amazing relationship with my wife. I want to be an incredible father uh, to my four daughters. I want to have really deep, intimate, really impactful, powerful relationships with the men that are around me as well. Mm. Uh, and I want to do work that brings my best self at the end of the day. That's what I wanted to set with myself. And i mm. that's where setting the standards for how we want to hit and where we want to go to in life, I think is so important. Yeah. And if we're not, if we're, and so, th- sorry, this comes to two things. I'm, I'm rocking by myself right now. It's turned into a bloody monologue. Uh, <laughs> is two important things that have been very salient for me recently in thinking about this. And I, I, I bring this forward to you, dude, the listener. And that is one, how do I lower my ability to self-deceive myself? Yeah, good. We have an innate, incredible ability to bullshit ourselves. And there's a really great essay by Harry Frankfurt called On Bullshit. And it is a great essay because bullshit is really something that happens because we would like to use the truth, but we're more concerned about what is the outcome at the end of the day. And so what happens is... uh, We we can't lie to ourselves. So if I just said to myself, like, I just want to believe that I'm a three foot purple cow. I just I believe I'm a three foot purple cow right now. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't change your beliefs that way by just like just like stating something (laughs) that's untrue. We we can't lie to ourselves, but we can bullshit ourselves. Yeah. And this is where self-deception comes in because I can fabricate some story. Oh, I didn't go to the gym this morning because I had a late night last night. My one-year-old daughter, she didn't sleep very well, so I didn't get much sleep last night. So I really shouldn't go to the gym in the morning.
0: Yeah. And Chris, I'll just jump in there because remember, I flicked your message that um, quote because I've just been in this book and it's all about self-justification. So you know how you're talking about self-deception. This is very closely correlated. Yes. We self-justify uh, for a number of reasons, but... It's like the book's called Mistakes Were Made But, but Not By Me and it yep. took the whole concept of self-justification. So sorry to jump in there, but that is absolutely on point.
1: But isn't that isn't a that beautiful title, Mistakes Were Made Not By, not by Me?
0: Yeah, like, and that's the cover that I, that I shot you because I, I, I ripped through that book in a few nights. I, okay. I,
1: transparency, I think, is the best way and to actually make these episodes good because otherwise you hear people just regurgitate the same shit they always talk about and I hate that. Um, something really recent for me. So, let's talk to that point right now. Mm. Okay, mistakes were made. Was, mistakes were made, but not by me. Right. And so, what that is essentially pointing to is a lack of responsibility taking. Yes. Right. Playing the victim. Now, right. I literally journal every I journal every morning and every evening. One of the questions that I ask myself every single evening is, "Where have I played the victim?" Right. Mm. And so. At the end of every day, I rank myself in the day, right? I give myself a ranking. And I've it's literally here. The yeah. obviously listening to the podcast, you're not going to be able to see anything, but I'm holding it right now.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I then looked back through my journals and I was like, whenever I rated myself a nine or a 10 out of 10, so a high ranking, yeah. um, I looked, what were the common themes that were happening? One common theme was I did not play the victim in the day. When I take full responsibility for what was happening for myself and in my world, I was having great days. Now we need to talk, we need to look at the other side of this pendulum as well, because there is mm. a there is a shadow to this that has mm. reared its ugly head in my life. And this was recent in a recent therapy session that I was in, mm. for me, I've always taken it was something that came through my childhood was taking like full responsibility do you mean like take responsibility for like the absolute whole thing now yeah,
0: kind of extreme ownership of, that john o willink talks about right? yeah
1: 100 to- totally is yeah but i think there has to be more nuance and i think if you look mm. at the spectrum there is full responsibility on one end there is no responsibility on the other end and there mm. is healthy responsibility mm. that sits mm. in a spectrum right mm. so I was getting really goddamn triggered by my wife uh, because I could see that she was doing these things and she wasn't taking full responsibility for the reason that these things had happened. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, nah, dude, that is not, that is not cool. I don't like, I don't appreciate or respect that. Like, no. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't taking responsibility. Now, if I'm upset, that's my problem. That's my, that's my fault. No no one's made me upset except for myself. Correct. And so, what was interesting was when I see other people not get, not take full responsibility, it was causing me problems, right? Because I wasn't allowing myself to be able to cut, get off the it's, it's
0: cu- classic. You know, we do a lot of psychology in the sales stuff. It's classic projection, Chris.
1: Hundred percent. Your
0: wife wasn't taking responsibility. Yeah. It was triggering you because you actually weren't taking responsible for your trigger.
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't okay with healthy responsibility. I wasn't okay with it. I had to be on one full end of the spectrum, and so that was just really interesting because, yeah. for me, I was like, "Oh, okay, I can see that th- we we had this ability to self-deceive ourselves, mm-hmm. and we can." Couldn- it's an important factor. I do believe that we need to be taking responsibility for what's going on. But also please understand that there is a spectrum and there are things that you shouldn't take responsibility for because it actually is outside of your Correct. scope.
0: And that's that's why you define it as a healthy responsibility. Because, Correct. like you say, there's two extremes, full responsibility and no responsibility. Some of us can't be responsible for what's happening to Ukraine, world peace. Um, educational system whatever happens to be you've got to be you've got to own what you can own i mean in farming we always talk about controlling the controllable because there's so much we can't control yes price disease climate drought trade deals currency and this is why farmers score so high on agency and autonomy because they own it because they are autonomous they want to be their own bosses and you know this is great so you've talked about the the, you called it out beautifully, Chris. And I love this because I love the fact you're talking right to the listeners here and they're hearing you. First of all, is we have to lower our ability to self-deceive. That was your first one. Then yeah. you talk about the second one. Second which is, one. Yes.
1: Second one is our contact with reality. Mm. Are we actually seeing what is going on in reality? Mm. Uh because a hell of a lot of the time we're up in our heads and essentially where the frames, the lens in which we are seeing the world is changing what's going on. That's why like two people can see a car accident, but they will report completely different things as to what has actually happened. Insane. So crazy how this happens to us. So it's being able, for me, and I want to make this pragmatic, it's very much a case of, One, being able to have better awareness, moment-to-moment awareness. So being here, I'm in Mm. this conversation right Mm. now, I'm not thinking about the shit that I've got to do for the rest of the day and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Like, I'm here with you right now. Mm. So having moment-to-moment awareness and then also being able to have the reflection Internally and externally. So I'll talk to those internal reflection. That's when I, for me, I journal with myself. If I try and talk in my head by myself, it just doesn't. You got to get it down. You got to get it down on paper. Yeah. I, and for me, it's like between my head and my fingers with the yeah. pen. There's like a bullshit meter. It's like it stop. The bullshit stops coming out because I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm yeah, I'm, I'm self deceiving myself right now. That is not yeah. the case. So yeah. it's reflection for within myself. But then I also think because I thought I used to do and it was just like just myself, but this comes back to why we need other great men in our life because I believe the only way to see what is behind you is by having someone truthful in front of you telling you what's behind you. And that's why I cultivate very great men to be in my life to be able to do that for me because I can't ever see what's behind me. I need someone to reflect that, and I think that's just one of the innate human things that comes with. Do you mean this life that we live in?
0: So, Chris, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to share you a, a lovely little quote by John Lennon, which you'll know. It says, "Being honest may not get you a lot of friends, but it will always get you the right ones."
1: Mm. Yeah, and that so it's a lot of friends. Who the fuck wants a lot of friends? Do you know what I mean? Like, I just I'm. Quality is where I'm coming to. That's where, like, I literally think about it. There's like, there are four close men that I have in my life Mm. where I want to very very much put the effort and energy into our relationships so that they are lifelong, so that they are profound. So Mm. that, like, I, I was reading a book recently and I was saying, like, the amount of people where if you ask them, do you have Someone in your life that you can really trust. Like, if you're really in a bind, do you Mm -hmm. mean that you can really Mm -hmm. open up, talk to, and be able to like work through? Mm -hmm. So many people don't have that. And
0: exactly, they they say the definition of richness is having five five deep friends. What I like about you, mate, is I've been watching you, I've been following you. We're going to put all your stuff in the show notes and everything else. You are the real deal. I love how you talk about great men. Very timely for me in terms of my age and stage and 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 the things that we're all going through uh, as we look at 2023 as we're recording this and the uncertainties, you've got to have your mates. And Jim Rowan obviously says, you know, you're the product of the five people you spend most time with. And often you don't actually uh, leave people, you outgrow them. And there's going to be people that obviously push you up. And there are people going to pull you down because you are probably unearthing or surfacing their own insecurities about themselves
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah what what would you say to that?
1: I think it's absolutely true. I think we need to work on ourselves and we will we will help bring in, help attract, we will be the right type of people to bring in who we have right now. So if if the listener right now, if they really did an audit on their like social circle and they're like, hey, I want to be living this life, do you know what I mean? And you have your definition for what the good life is. But then if you looked at your social circle and you said, are they living that? Are they actually doing that? Can they help me be able to get there? Mm. Um, and if that's a no, then I think you need to be making some decisions movements with who you're actually spending your time with. And absolutely, there's been lots of all, all of them, absolutely amazing people that have been in my life, but Mm -hmm. are they the people that I'm going to put my absolute love, heart and energy Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. having around right now? No. Mm -hmm. And that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think some people get on, do you mean the the train of life with you? Some people get on, they get off. Some people get on, get off, and then come get back on again, like it's all it is. But yeah. I think it's very important to really think about who are the people that I want in my life. But firstly, looking upon yourself and being like, are you the type of person that will be able to uh, bring value to the people that you want to be around?
0: Yeah, I love that. I just want to stop the listener because there's a lot that you're dropping here, which is very, very good. Chris talked about two things. He's talked about the internal reflection and he uses a journal. And I started journaling this year and I think it's been excellent because you're right, the bullshit meter stops when you have to write in the pen and confront yourself with your own thoughts and Mm -hmm. booking time for reflection. So this is funny. This is because I'm older than you, Chris, and I'm only just becoming aware of this. Secondly, is that external reflection where you've got that quality not quantity of friends. They might not be like-minded, but they share the same values, the same philosophies, and they will call you on your shit and you will make them a better person and you will make them a better person because of the company you keep. I mean I always say you're judged by you judge yourself by the company you keep.
1: Yeah, I so for what comes up with me when you say that is something I very much also want to do is we all have certain biases we all have like confirmation biases and i want to ensure that i also have the people around me that will push back that will have opposite mean, beliefs and the way that they do things as well like so for me whenever i come upon like a philosophical school or a, a philosopher or some sort of argument one of my initial questions is going to be, well, what's the critique of this? What's the, what's, what's wrong with it right now? And that was the thing, like I, I still had to this day, a, uh, a private philosophy mentor that we do calls every single week. Mm. And I want to be able to ask and go, all right, Buddhism, for example. Okay. What I know all the great things, but what are the critiques? What, mm. what, what are the things that I need to be wary of? Because not everything's perfect. Mm. And I think that's where the case of you said a word before that I think important for us to be able to have an understanding with, and you said certainty, right? And so a lot of the time is if we're trying to attach onto a certain belief or way to do things or whatever it is, we're trying to give all of the – we're trying to have certainty by giving the responsibility off to what that is that we're like looking Mm -hmm. over with, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's never the case. So if I have the ability – to not have to have extreme certainty, and I can like, mm-hmm. I can start to let that rope kind of like slide through my hand. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have like an iron vice grip on that thing. Mm-hmm. I'm then able to then look at, well, what are the best things that serve me right now? And that's going to be people, that's going to be beliefs, that's going to be stories about yourself, the identity that you put upon yourself, the way that you actually do the things that you do at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? They're all the things that we need to be like cognizant of so that we're not doing screwing ourselves up uh or going in the wrong direction
0: I love Chris how you yeah it's brilliant you picked out that word like you say you can grab it so tight and try and overly control it but if you're actually saying right here are the things I'm going to do the steps I'm going to take I mean again uh guys Chris is uh he's in an incredibly good Nick this guy Chris how old are you
1: i'm thirty five
0: dude like I'm forty eight and I would say it's very rare when I meet a thirty four year old with that level of self-awareness that you have. Um, you know, it's incredible. Uh, you read well the philosophy and everything else. So let's keep going on this. I've got a few questions for you, my man, and I think you're gonna I think you're going relish these. Where, what maybe you've covered this already, but what areas or events in your life led you to take massive action? And discipline, because I think you, I, from what I know about you, you are definitely, you defined yourself as that one of the most disciplined people. What, what, what did you, what are the areas of events triggered that you had to take those actions? You had to take control for yourself and take ownership and take that healthy responsibility, you know, talk to me
1: about that. Yeah, it's a good question. I think a few things come up for me. I think initially it was getting in shape. So I used to compete as a physique athlete. So I competed in London, Denmark, and Australia. And so that's me, do you know what I mean, literally getting to 4% body fat, do you know what I mean, like trying to be as muscular as I can. Like getting in doing that stuff uh, and I think which is why for us guys looking at our body first is such an easy way to start getting into the rest of the stuff mm. because for me, I went through periods where I like <laughs> I was training my ass off. I was dieting my absolute art. Like it was, I could bet there was days where I could barely pull myself out of bed. Do you know what I mean? Like there was just like being utterly exhausted and still following through and keeping um, the, the, the commitment to what you mm. pre- made, I think is very, very important. Mm. So I think starting with the body is a really easy gateway in to then everything else. Yeah. I think it was then becoming a father um, and how when I when I looked into the eyes of my daughter when she was first born, it literally transformed me immediately. Like that's when I say I went from a boy to a man.
0: It's like a switch going off. Eh? I know the same. I had three, Just three kids. It's like, it, I imagine as a wall, as a metaphor, as a draw switch, where it goes off to on, and yeah. I didn't have a fatherly bone in my body. But as soon as you see your, your progeny, I'm being very biological in a farming term here. You soon see your prodigy, your first born, you're like, yeah, it no. melts you. And there's an unconditional love. Now, Chris, I wanted to um, move on to something because you talked about here, you are talking about the body, which you set a great example for over your career. And then you said to me something very interesting. You said you actually became more interested in business. As opposed to fitness. So yeah, what was going on there? So that's, running the- that's going from body to brain, right? And this is where I feel the body follows the brain. So maybe we can unpack that a bit.
1: Yeah. So this is where I firstly solving the problem for myself. I was really good at what I did being a physique coach. So I trained do you mean um Shakes, politicians, CEOs, like the world champion athletes, bikini models, like I literally coached them all. It was amazing. And I knew I was really good at it. Uh, But then I found myself like in the time for money trap that I was uh, talking to earlier that I was like, hang on, I'm really good at what I do. I'm working super goddamn hard, but I don't have the the money and the wealth and the financial freedom that I really want. And I don't have the lifestyle freedom that I really want also. Mm-hmm. And so then it was by figuring out how do I solve that problem that then got me to uh avidly consume as much as I could, especially when it came to marketing first. And I was like, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna learn it. For me, <laughs> I just I pour myself into that topic and I want to learn. I try and consume everything that I possibly can and really trying to start distilling it so that I can eventually start connecting some dots as well and being able to like practically use it. Yeah. And so it was from doing that and then starting to see the success of my own business and then organically that turned into a business coaching business that was the company that I sold. I was so enamored by the beauty and the game of business um mm. uh, which is what I love today because now like post selling my company all I do now well I do two things, but the professional side of things now is I partner with other coaches and consultants and experts so that I can grow, scale, and sell the businesses with them. So I partner with them now. So I was like, you know what? I'm not I'm not a coach anymore. I wanted to put that label and identity away. I don't do coaching anymore. I just do partnerships now because for me, I think that's the model in which is best aligned to be able to get the result. Um, and- it's interesting because then you talk about that and I actually think I'm going through another transition now where we said before, it was like going from like body to brain. I think I'm actually going from brain to heart now. And that's really coming to the point where it's success. I'm literally writing an essay on this at the moment. So it's success for so many of us has been a case of, all right, well, we, we think it's about the the pleasures that we can receive. And it, as a young person especially in our 20s it's just like there's food there's sex like it's all of these things that are pleasurable in the in the time in the moment then we kind of evolve past that and we understand that that's not going to give us everlasting fulfillment and happiness and then we look to success money prestige and power being the things that are going to be like this is what's going to give me uh, happiness. This is what's going to give me fulfillment. This is what's life about. But we we come to the point, and I think us men do very much. So, is then going to be a case of what? Well, that's not fulfilling either. That there's something is that it, missing, is and that we have it. this we had this fucking feeling inside where it was, it for me, it gnawed at me. And it was especially came on in which I got diagnosed with depression. And then that spiraled on for a couple of years as I tried to figure my shit out. Mm -hmm. And then it was after kind of, okay, success, money, power, prestige, social status, these things aren't giving me my true fulfillment. What's next? A lot of people then move to Um, altruism. Do you know what I mean? And they'll be like, okay, me giving, me helping, me doing these other things are going to be able to give success, fulfillment, and happiness. And I dare say, you know what, it's a part of it, but it's not all of it. And especially in the Hindu philosophy, they say the fourth stage is then Mm, self-transcendence. Now, can I fully buy that? Uh, No, not right now. I'm I'm not going to fully subscribe to that. But you know where I can subscribe right now in which I can I want to be able to have a pragmatic philosophy in how do I actually show up every day is the being able to serve. And then for me, it's being able to like, am I the best man that I can be right now to best be able to serve myself, to best serve my family, to best serve my community, to best serve the world? Like in kind of like going outwards that way as well.
0: Awesome, Chris. It's it's that amplification of impact, isn't it? And it's really funny, like, you know, the journey that you've been on, as I've got to know you, is the inner work is the hardest work. The inner work is the hardest work, right? You know, in terms of working with yourself. Because if you don't sort out those demons and to your earlier point, if you don't lower your ability to self-deceive, then yeah. you're living a lie. And there's nothing worse than lying to yourself, you know. And Chris, I want to move on. I'll be respectful of your time. I've you're got good, it. I've got it. Good, good. We're gonna jam for a bit longer then, because this is really good. I want to get into some deep stuff do you have an inner voice or an inner narrative? If you do, because we all do, how do you tell, how do you manage it? Because, um, you know, we all kind of read the same stuff where you probably go deep on the philosophical stuff, but I read the Aurelius and the Epictetus and all the rest of it. But like, if you have an inner voice, how have you mastered your inner voice, your inner narrative? Does that, does that make
1: sense? Yeah, totally. Um, I would like to think we all have an inner voice and I think mm. we have multiple inner voices as well. Mm, I think there are multiple archetypes mm. that we have and there are multiple or multiple parts mm. uh, that we have within this as well. Um, so So
0: I'm I, to help you out there, I think some of our listeners, sometimes they're rural guys. Uh, they might have some pretty tough upbringings tough fathers, tough mothers, rural folks, you know, different city folks and, 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 again, nuances between the two, and they might have a bit of a negative narrative in their own mindset. And I was thinking, how do you master that negative mindset? What do you do? How Mind- do okay, so life- let's unpack this. This is good. Let's yeah, unpack please. it.
1: So firstly, let's define mindset. Mindset to me is the frame in which we uh, look at the world that shapes the world we live in, Yeah. right? Mindset is the frame in which we look through the world that shapes the world we live in. Do we have a negative mindset? Yeah. Okay. Firstly, why is it good or bad? Why is it negative or positive? If it's a negative mindset because you're you're having a lot of suffering in life, yeah, okay, now we need to fix something because it's causing you suffering that you're probably not needing to having to go through. Mm. How do we do that? I think there's really only one way to be able to do that. We take day-by-day day steps yeah. to prove to ourselves mm. who we want to be. Yeah, love it. And what does that do? That allows us, and guys, you might, your sphincter might close up a little bit when I say this, <laughs> but that leads to you loving yourself, mm. and that's what's important. And that's why I think it's so important for us to have the courage, the discipline, the temperance the wisdom for us to be able to show up every day the way that we do because every time you do something that you you deep down know that you shouldn't have and it doesn't fucking matter if anyone knows or doesn't know. It's about whether you know or not, whether you've done the right thing because then that's the character you're creating.
0: Mm. 100%. Guys, That's a that's a big one because you know, I do a bit of reading and a bit of work, and I'm, I'm probably a bit behind you there, Chris, because I'm not—I don't have that same level of awareness. But um, what I do do is uh, I'm trying to hold myself to a higher standard. Um, you've been off the booze for ten
1: years now, haven't you? Yeah, I haven't drank a drop for it's like ten years now. Yeah,
0: I've I've shared that with quite a few folks, and we'll put it in the show notes. It's really really interesting that whole knowing that uh, others might not see it, but, you know, character is what others can't see. And I think there's a lot on that. It's around, I suppose where I'm getting to is a lot of things, whether you're reading Goggins or you're following this guy or Jordan Peterson or Jocko Willink and a whole bunch of others. If you don't take action and you violate your standard that you set for yourself, I think that's a pretty dangerous place to be.
1: I think it's the most poisonous thing you can do to yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, this guy, the reason I got Chris on is he's uber disciplined. He's got an amazing backstory. Can I I speak to that? Because this is the thing.
1: I don't think I actually am that disciplined because I just do the things that I do now out of this is the identity that I have. Good. good. Yeah. I worked on something a little while ago and it was through this, I love like through journaling, I love I love getting to the right questions. I think the quality of our life comes down to the questions, the quality Understood. of the questions that we can ask. Do you know what I mean? Because then we can ask the right things. The question is the answer. It, it totally is. In the case of, I came upon a question that was, "I will achieve what I want because dot dot dot," and I dare you, the listener, right now. To answer that, mm-hmm. I will achieve what I want because. Can I share with you what my? Please do, Chris. Is? I'd love it. It's just what I do. It's just who I am.
0: <laughs> there was me expecting big, but it's it's your self identity. That's all it is. Now I know uh, our fellow mate JK. He's not a big fan of James Clear and Atomic Habits. I think one of the tru- truisms in that book is that sometimes your habits or your identity form your habits or your habits inform your identity you know what you do creates your own character creates your own habits creates your own sense of self and i the biggest conflict i see in people is when they violate their own standards that they set for themselves
1: yeah totally and it's like they let themselves off so so
0: you know my guys my guys here to give you context like There's guys that are working really fucking hard and probably not being smart and not being clever on their course cycle or their sales conversations or the planning and preparation, all the things I train them around, and they're making life really bloody hard for themselves because they are not holding themselves to a higher standard and they let themselves off the hook. Uh,
1: Yes, and so... He you said you've read Epictetus before, and I think Epictetus is amazing. And one of his mm. quotes is, uh, "You may be fluent in the lecture room, but as soon as you go into the street, you're miserably shipwrecked."
0: <laughs> so good. I'm glad. It's amazing that you can recall that stuff because I had like a. Uh- uh, a whole note section on my Apple notes of quotes all the time. And I'm furiously talking to good dudes like you. I'm, I'm literally trying to keyword what the quotes are. And you can remember this shit. I mean, I think for me, the one that I think was used, particularly in COVID, and we were pretty brutal here in New Zealand, we got hauled up a lot, um, was what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? And I love how you put on your quote, you know, on your journal. I think journalism is something that some people are afraid to do because it's can be quite confronting right you know reflecting and 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 sitting alone with your own thoughts that's that's a fucking scary place
1: for some people i had a close friend literally say yesterday to me that he's just feel like he started to become okay with like being with himself like sitting with himself mm. um i got i got really into meditation I got introduced to meditation when I was like seven. Um, but then I got like into it, I kind of fell in and out. And then seven years ago, I reckon I really like disciplined, started the practice, and it's like it's every day. I do it twice a day, every day. Um, and I go I've done meditation retreats, silent retreats, but I was all I've also done darkness retreats, which mm. is quite literally being in a room with zero light, zero noise. Uh, and both times I did it, I did it for two and a half days. So for two and a half days, you're in a room. There's a single bed, there's a shitter, and there's a chair and a shower, and that's it. You can't see, you can't see your hand in front of your face. There's zero light the entire time. Um, I wanted to be able to be happy with myself, and it's something I've worked at for quite some time. And the thing is today. I love being with myself. I, I love just being able to sit down and just be with myself and not have to distract myself. Because you're happy where-
0: because you're happy with yourself and to your point, Chris, and this isn't us all getting lovey dovey, but like you've got to love yourself. No, you and, do. And you and you taking that um step to be in a to dark room yourself for two and a half days, it puts my outward bound experience where you get a bucket, two apples, some oatmeal, and you put into a forest for two days. <laughs> That puts that to shame. But, like, that's pretty fucking confronting. Just yes. sit with yourself for two and
1: a half days. So you do, And that's, that's the thing. That that's position. what it's for. That's why I also think, like, psychedelics, when done properly, can uh, induce very similar situations for oneself where it's a case of you are supposed to confront yourself. You're supposed yeah. to be able to, do you know what I mean, be there and be okay with it. Um, and it's hard at the beginning because... Unfortunately, we've distracted ourselves for so many years, oh, and all of these little lies that we've said ourselves, these little bullshit moments, yeah. and that's when it's a case of like, do do you love yourself? And the case of loving myself is also, which I think is really important that we can forgive ourselves first. Yeah, can we forgive ourselves? And can we forgive others as well? Because I think that's an absolute superpower because if the listener right now, if you're dude, if you're, you know, you've done wrong things, you know, you haven't been your best self. You haven't kept the best standards. You've let things fall by the wayside. I mean, you've fallen off the wagon. You didn't get back on blah, 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 blah. Okay. But moving forward, forgive yourself because for me, every time that shit like that stuff, like doing shit hits the fan and I'm like, I fucked up. That's not good, do you know sure. I mean i I go through a process of literally forgiving myself to then be able to like move exactly. it forward. and okay. it's like where you ask the question, what can I learn from this? Mm. do you know I mean there is a it's like where's the silver lining mm. how how do I move forward as, as a better man from mm. this situation right now mm. um and using it for the for the learning lesson that it can give us as well
0: hundred percent I um. I had a fairly tumultuous relationship with my father and we're incommunicado for about five years. And so I took some counselling on that and um, all open and honest about that. And one of the best pieces of advice I got from her was, Cindy, you need to be more curious than you are critical. Mm. Beautiful. Solid, it was solid. And it was probably worth 10, 10 counselling sessions. And if I can sometimes, if I get myself in the ship and you – negatively heavily criticize yourself and i was talking about that self narrative you can put yourself in a downward spiral and you've got to break that cycle pretty damn quick by going forgive yourself be tender be kind to yourself and go okay i fucked up had too many beers got in an argument said things i shouldn't have said uh, let someone down was a bit of a slack ass on that job whatever it happens to be just because you fucked up doesn't mean you need to fuck it all up like you can get back on track. And as we know, you know, when you do your line graphs, the trajectory
1: is never straight line. It's jagged as far. And and neither should it be. And this is something where like when I have discussions with guys, I'm like, they might be down the dumps because something happens. And I'm like, okay, let, let's think about a couple of ways that this can mm. actually make sense doing. Mean, how do we make sense of what's going on right now? Yeah. Um, I asked the question Do you think it's natural for life just to be amazing the whole time? Because the thing is, let's think of it from two sides of this right now. You, the listener, myself, and also yourself, we all right now have thought, oh, I want to achieve X. I want to do X. I want to get X, whatever it is. Do you know what I mean thinking it's going to make us happy? Now, how many times in our life has that happened? Fucking shit tons, right? Has we it ever we nigh. We nigh. Yeah. Yeah. Has it ever given us the lasting fulfillment that we thought it would? No, we're still doing it. So the idea is don't get running faster and harder. Stop playing that game. Do you know what I mean? Step off the treadmill and realize that you don't need to uh do you mean constantly be achieving, succeeding, and attaining and conquering and all of these things. It's a part of the game, but it's not the thing that gives your true value to the world. Like that's not who you are. And I think that's where we also need to become comfortable with what we lack.
0: Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And it's interesting and, and maybe it's parallel or, or tangent, but in life, again, back to farming metaphors, you're going to have good weather and you're going to yes, have bad yes. weather. And uh, also ships weren't built for
1: built for harbours. Yeah, exactly. You know,
0: so like, you know, the rough and tumble, it's it's how we're going to take it. Chris, I'd like to just sort of again respect your time. I've got a couple of questions for you, which I always ask my guests. Worst piece of advice you've ever been given.
1: Worst piece of advice. Worst I've been given. Oh, that's a good question. Worst piece of advice I've ever been given. Um
0: maybe you can if you can think about that, because I know you can handle two things at once. Then while you while I'm buying you time for that one. What's one that you've had, you've got very good people in your life. You're a very good example to males around dialing it in. And and, and by the way, Chris is not pretending he's got all his shit sorted here. He's a pretty, pretty open, very honest, very vulnerable fellow, which I really, really appreciate about you, mate, is tell me about some of the best pieces of advice that you've had in your life from different people. Because you, you know, you're still 34. There's plenty to go, but my God, you picked some stuff up pretty quick best advice best advice. um
1: is i'll get really kind of like practical right now especially because like i know in your show you talk a lot of sales and stuff like that mm-hmm. so um I literally had this conversation with a partner yesterday and it was about th- their sales process in their business. And I think this is important and it transfers to all of life. And it's Charlie Munger's quote, show me the incentive and I'll show you the result. I,
0: and and he, loves oh. the, he loves the concept of inversion too, doesn't he? Yes. Because in- yes. I've read his Charlie Munger's Element book as well.
1: Terrific. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
0: Weird, weird looking dude, but my God, what a cerebral brain that boy has.
1: Dude, like incredible. Um, the weapon of a book.
0: So, show me the incentive and I'll show you the. Show me the incentives and I'll show you the result. Another one. And in relation to that, while you're choking up, is I think in sales teams, I see a lot of incentives that actually become disincentives either poor behavior, short termism, not playing for the team, uh, short changing the client, not being of service to the client. Um, individual nature, and you're absolutely right. Incentive setting can sometimes, the
1: incentive, as an economist says, has an unintended consequence. Mm. Okay, so let me bounce from one side to the other. Super pragmatic, easy for us to kind of like put into our business and our lives. I then flip to the other, our third daughter, we named Rumi because I just love Rumi, the poet, and uh, (laughs) we, we carry inside of us the wonders we seek outside of us. Mm. and so this constant looking for all of this stuff outside of us it's always inside of us in where we're really looking for it at the end of the day and again if you hear that for the first time and you want to call bullshit on that that's perfectly fine but it also talks to like Anthony DeMello's like everything is in a mess and all is well
0: yeah I saw that in one of your essays actually in in, in my research for came on the show it's, it's not supposed to be all tidy and boxed in and like that's not going to happen. It's unrealistic.
1: And, and so, all right, so we go from Charlie Munger to Rumi uh, to Anthony DeMello quote to the Dalai Lama where um, it's, uh, let me try and get this correct. It's not the the value of an action and, or the success of an action is not whether Uh, it was a success or failure of the outcome, but it's the motivation behind it. Mm. It's the motivation behind it. Yeah. And I feel like I get this, my shoulders become a little bit lighter. I can breathe a little bit easier. Life doesn't feel as burdening when the times, when it feels really burdening, when I understand it's just about the motivation behind in which I'm coming to life with. And that's, I have full responsibility over what my motivation is and why I'm doing certain things. Yeah. And whether it's a like whether I launch a... A program, whether I go into a sales conversation and I'm doing a own deal, whether it's whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? It's a case of there are outside forces that can change whether the thing was a success or failure, whether I hit my KPIs or not, whether I hit that certain monthly budget or not, whatever it is. But it's like if I showed up as my best self, that's whether it's a success or failure at the end of the day. And I just I like what I like the the freedom that it gives me, but I also like, the weight of the, hey, this is up to you, Chris. And that's where I think we we move from victimhood to freedom. And I reckon if we probably ask the listener right now, like, what's the thing you really want? Some people might say happiness. And I would say, well, what is happiness to you? And when we kind of start peeling that onion, happiness really has a lot of like, it's kind of like, it just floats away in the air. You can't grab it. It's just like, shit, it's not palpable. Do you know what I mean? But the thing that then becomes a little bit more palpable, a little bit more real for us, um, is peace, is equanimity. Do you know what I mean? Is, is these kind of feelings, and I think we could probably all say freedom is one of those things that we want more of in life as well.
0: I think, I think for me, the big one, I, uh, I, I give my boys Victor Frankl in A Man's Search for Meaning. I think yeah. meaning, 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 then delivers money. Uh, and in our programs, we, you know, some some of the guys and girls that follow me, I talk about the problem with sales is selling. And that actually you serve to yep. sell. Yep. And and, Sorry, and so
1: let me ask you this. What
0: Go. what does what does meaning mean to you? <laughs> good. I love it when my guests start, but it's it's good. Meaning to me means actually what you're talking about is probably peace. Um making an impact and serving people beyond myself. I mean, that's obviously why, like you, I invest a lot in content and putting it out there and not expecting anything in return because I feel you play the long game. Um, I, I love the concept of freedom as well, being able to do what I want to do and who I want to serve and who I want to hang with. And then family, being there and being the best person I can be. So meaning for me is multifaceted because it's you're right. You're right to challenge me. It's like, well, what is meaning, Sinjin? Well, meaning is multifaceted, um, and I think again it's a lot more grounded by those kind of attributes and happiness, which is very sort of surreal and just floats around and, and you know in a in a in a space that you can't really grab.
1: I this is something I've been thinking a lot of. I'm, I'm trying to. I everything that's about to come out of my everything that's come out of my mouth is only because I'm trying to figure my own shit out along the way. And so it's just medicine I want to take within myself. Mm. So when it actually comes to meaning, because I think doing you know mean? this has just been something important to me to kind of like get more of a grasp on. Because if someone were to ask me, doing you know mean? like not so long ago, doing you know mean? like what is meaning, I'd be like, nah, I don't know. Like again, it kind of feels like this thing that slips through my fingers. But mm. when when I do the study, and this is actually an essay that I'm going to be writing soon, so do you know I mean, I've I've wanted to try and learn from as much as possible these people that are talking to this, Mm -hmm. I think there's three parts to what creates meaning in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so if there was actually something, again, pragmatic and useful and practical to take away with, it's, okay, one is going to be significance, which is how valuable am I and what I'm bringing to the world? And and do I believe that what I'm doing is creating significance, is creating value and goodness for the world? Yeah. Because I feel like we need a meaning of significance in this. There's a meaning of coherence, which is, are things fitting together? If I don't feel like I can have meaning in my life, if it just feels like there's all of this shit all over the place. And for me, I kept distilling everything down. So for me, coherence is creating a life out of four key virtues or values that I've set for myself, which is. Wealth, health, wisdom, and love. Everything I do, if you look at my calendar, if you look at my bank statements, you will be able to see that they literally rotate around these four things. Wealth, for me, which is uh, partnering with the businesses and being able to create the investments for me to have the wealth and financial freedom. Uh, Two, health. I want to uh, look, feel, and perform at a world-class level day in, day out. Then it's going to be wisdom, which is I want to have a very practical, usable philosophy that I can live within myself with peace and help others do the same. And love, I want to be surrounded in loving, nurturing, intimate relationships.
0: Beautiful. Man. Right.
1: So, with the uh, coherence part, it's those, those things create coherence for me mm. because I'm, I'm, I had this like weaving thread through what my days look like and what is Mm. actually happening. Mm. So there was significance, then there was coherence, and then there's um, purpose, direction. Yeah. Does my life have a direction? Does it have a course? And can I author or architect or engineer what that course can be? I can have a very practical hands-on, I can kind of like help what that course of my life is going to be. So do I have direction and purpose in what I am doing so that I can see momentum? Because I think that's what we need. We just need to see momentum at the end of
0: the day. And I love that because you know, on your journey, Chris, you've gone from coach to coaching to partnering. And I suppose you're partnering now, you're surrounding yourself with very good, great human beings who you love who you've got the back for, and you want to share in their success and help them scale. So I suppose your partnering aligns very much with your purpose, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just I I came to the point where I was really thinking about the incentives, uh, the Charlie Munger quote that I read before, and I was like, if I really look at the incentives of myself and the people that I could work with and my business model, do you mean know, like when I was thinking about what this next chapter of my life professionally looks like as well? Mm-hmm. To me, what fit really well, and then I went to other mentors that could reflect back and tell me what was behind me and what was I not seeing, and do mean you know, how was I self deceiving myself? Mm-hmm. Where are my biases or assumptions gone wrong? Mm-hmm. It was a case of I can partner with the business because I know what I'm good at, I know how I can help grow and build that business to what the success is that the owner wants. But also importantly, there was like, there was three caveats uh, that were like, these are the rules for me to say yes to a partner Uh, because I don't publicly talk about this. Like if you go onto my social medias and stuff like that, I really don't talk about this. This is probably one of the first things where I really talk about this stuff right now. And it's, it's funny because I had one mentor be like, you've got to talk about this more, Chris. I was like, okay, all right, all right, all right. So uh for me the I will three do caveats
0: because that, that's what Chris yeah. does is <laughs> I will do yeah, that.
1: This is for you. This is for you. So the three caveats, and th- again, this comes down to like creating rules and boundaries in our life. Oh, in- so good.
0: You're talking about boundaries, right?
1: Yep, good. So, how do we make one decision that do mean means we don't need to make a thousand decisions? And yep. so for me was number one do I believe this partner can be world-class at what they do? Can they be one of the absolute best at what it is that they're doing and how they're doing it as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two was, do I believe in them and their mission? Yeah. And that's a part of the mission that I want to be a part of. And three was, would I take a bullet in the leg for them? If I feel like I'd take a bullet in the leg for them and I'd be like, all right, this is this is a relationship that I, it's not a short-term thing, but this is long-term, like we're doing this together. For me, I just came down. I was like, partnering makes sense. You know what I mean, I have a partner come to me and they go, hey, we're stuck with this. We want to get to here. We're not too sure. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've heard you're the guy that can kind of like break this stuff open. And especially for me, it, was, it comes down to strategy and operations in a mm-hmm. company. I go, great. I know how to piece together the strategies for what mm-hmm. needs to happen and what systems need to put together and how mm-hmm. the organization needs to operate properly so that we can achieve these things. And like, essentially, it's always getting the the owner of the business It's getting them in their zone of genius um, and getting the business to be able to run like a business. And then it's just being able to predictably and replicatively scale that business month in, month out from there.
0: Yeah. And I can tell you, I can tell you, listeners, because I've been part of Chris's live and he's been very generous of our group. Um, This guy sold his business last year and his SOPs, which remain only with
1: us, Chris, is I was absolutely seriously impressed <laughs> um, i reckon i reckon you saw a mean you know, a surface scratching of what it is but that's the thing for me a business needs to have the systems like i look at it both as a mechanical machine but also as a as a living organism i look at businesses both as in both, both ways yeah. um i'll talk to a business i'll I'll bring it to my my mind and be like, what is it that you need? And literally listen to the answer. Um, But also on the other side, I'll think of it as a a machine. And I'm like, what does this machine need? What is going on so that it can be the thing that generates profits doing great work at the end of the day?
0: Yeah, love it, mate. Love it. So our guys, guys and, and a few girls as well, but our guys predominantly, they're rural folk, but not sure how often you've held out rural folk or farming folk. they are um they're tough cookies. um life can be pretty brutal as well, uh climate, weather, grain prices, cotton canola, whatever else. um what would be to just round things off here and then I'm going to put a ton of stuff in the show notes, including that essay by Harold, what was his name? Harry on on the bullshit essay. We'll grab that from you too, Chris. Harry Frankfurt. Harry Frankfurt. Good. Frankfurt as in German. Excellent. Um, Chris, your best sales advice you've ever had? Best best tips for these guys and girls that are running around, hitting on resellers. Uh, One thing I'm picking up, having spoken to Mike Aguilera and yourself, is if you want to be a success, you have to start with yourself. And I think sales success starts with yourself. I don't want to bias your answer in any way there, but I think unless you've got yourself straight, you ain't going to succeed in sales.
1: I think it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's absolutely impossible. I think it, it with the must mentoring, start
0: with the And the mentoring and coaching you've had, sorry to put you on the spot, but you, you can handle this. With the mentoring and coaching you've had, what's been some of the best sales advice you've had? Was some of the things you think are the most important uh, wisdom that you've picked up along the way? Two things. Yeah, of course.
1: Cool. Uh, One, let's start with a super unpractical one, but the one that I think is super important. Sales is about loving yourself and being true to yourself to be able to ask the questions and have the conversation that needs to be had. And sales is about loving the other person, which is about, are you able to actually truly help and solve that person's problem? And are you living up to the commitment for you to actually best help that person? Because a salesperson can underperform because they start throwing sales because they're not asking the questions, they're not digging deep into the objections, they're not truly answering what needs to happen, they're not having the hard conversation that really should be had at them at the end of the day. Qualifying, yeah, exactly right. Um, so they're, they're not loving the other person because they're not best committing to themselves, but they're not best loving themselves because they're not showing up the way that they, they need to at the end of the day as well. But then I think the other side. So for me, when I talk with my partners, I've actually stopped saying marketing and sales. I I call it acquisition because I put the two together. And so I just say...
0: Everything falls right. Because I've come from corporate world. Sales goes, but you're the coloring department and and you're a bit flaky and the leads, you get us a shit and everything else. And you get this kind of um, Tom and Jerry, cat and mouse kind of game and it's tiring Oh,
1: dude, it's so shit. And those are some of the biggest mistakes I've made with growing businesses myself was, separating them. you know, what I mean, ha- having having this clear boundary line put in there where it should not be there. I love um, it. I love
0: that. love this focus on acquisition because really that's what it's all about. You know, I think it was Drucker
1: that said, you know, the only purpose of business is to make and create a customer. Exactly, and so you do that by creating an offer they know they shouldn't say no to.
0: Yeah. And that whole offer, I mean, JK James Kemp is on on the podcast a few shows ago. He dropped bombs on offer and he's a genius. You know, you and I know he He is is absolutely nutcase genius on offer architecture. Chris, what I was going to do, I'm going to, I could talk to you for bloody hours, and I, and I want to respect your time, but I'm going to kind of close off on a couple of things. Um, on that, I love what you said about sales because I want to make this relevant for the guys as well. Is that I often said that basically you serve to sell and you're using love and I know you And what I like about you too, mate, is I love the fact that you tell your male mates that you love them. I do. I spotted that. That's fucking awesome. And men don't do enough of that. We do not show enough love to each other. Secondly, your sales thing, to make it specific and relevant on point for the listeners, is I've often said in a different way, is that if you don't serve the best interests of your client, or if you serve the best interest of a client before yourself, then you'll make more sales. And we just say we we serve to sell. We serve to sell. You basically everyone has a hang up about the sales concept and how yucky it is. And that's a mind shift in saying, well, actually, you are you are in the business of service. And if you serve that client's best interest, you will then make the sale. And it might take a little bit longer, but that's the way you do it.
1: Life is service at the end of the day. We are we are most ourselves when we're not there. <laughs> that's it. And it's very true. For for yeah, like and that's the thing. Like I I find it funny how overcomplicated people make sales. And I did it as well. I went, I went, I used to do that. But now it's like when I teach sales and I help people put their sales processes and systems and SOPs and scripts and all that shit together. It's yeah. just like this is super easy, right? Yeah. Number one. Let's have an offer that's really fucking good that actually solves the problem for the, the person at the end of the day. Two, are we able to communicate that effectively and efficiently to the person? Uh, and can we answer any questions that they're gonna have that might be stopping them from taking the next steps? Do you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> it's not rocket surgery. At I know, the end of the and
0: we 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 make it we make it so complicated. But ultimately, if that person, you know, the biggest thing I'm picking up on is is signaling bar safety as well. You know, never, ever feel that person feel unsafe by overselling to them and having the integrity to say, actually, I don't know if we're a good fit and I'm not sure we can help you because you owe it to them. And you say, if you love that customer, you will say, hey, I've had a really quality conversation, I really enjoyed it. I've actually worked out that actually I don't think we can help you with a specific problem you've got. But here's someone who can.
1: Which probably would get you five sales on the back end from that conversation anyway because oh. that, that one person's then going to go that and guy rural, I can trust, and then when they have a conversation rural, with someone else, they refer it.
0: Oh, in rule, it's 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 like it's like the uh it's like the bush It works until Chris. Um, we'll we'll wrap up here, brother. You have been immense. You've dropped a heap here. Uh, where do people get hold of you, mate? Where's the best guy? You know, you're on this new journey. I'm watching you pretty closely. I've been showing you with a few mates. I wanted to get you on the podcast. Where's the best place people can get in contact with you, brother?
1: Appreciate it, dude. And I love these conversations. So thank you so much. And I'm very grateful to be here and have this conversation shared today. Um, Best place to go would honestly just be going to the Christopher Dufay podcast. Uh, That's where I'll be sharing everything that I talk about today, having amazing conversations with amazing people. But honestly, it's for me, it's about being able to best live my life and just documenting the process of figuring that out and wanting to help others do the exact same thing.
0: Awesome, mate. I will uh we will stick close. Love your mission, mate. Love your mission. I'm very Appreciate glad you've come into my world because uh man, I'm learning a shit ton off you. And uh <laughs> thank you so much for setting an example to men. Uh yep, you haven't got all your shit dialed in and you not you'll be the first to say you haven't, but I love uh your honesty, your generosity here. And uh you are your true blue, genuine, authentic self. So, man. Thank you so much and um, we'll keep in touch and I'll speak to you very soon and start annoying you with more books that I've read.
1: Absolutely, brother. Dude, send the books and the screenshots all my way. Every time (laughs) I see your name pop up for messages, dude, it puts a smile on my face. So bring it more. I appreciate if you're having me. I'm uh, going to go off to the gym before I pick the daughters up from school and uh, we'll chat soon.
0: Good. Oh, Chris, sorry, last question. I just one question I had to ask. I'm a yeah. like terrible saying that you go, I must let you get to the gym. Um and clear up your lovely daughters. Rituals. What's what's your main rituals? What are the ones that look after you most?
1: Uh morning, I meditate and I journal and then I get on with getting the shit done that I need to get done with. Um so you start quiet. Yeah, so I, I wake up at about 4 30 a.m. Don't think it's like I'm magical or something. The sun comes up so early here and Sunshine Coast in Australia, it's it's kind of hard not to wake up at 4 to be perfectly honest. Um, so I'm up nice and early, but I do I do make sure I do that before the rest of my family gets up. So I have plenty of time for it. Mm-hmm. Um rituals, I move multiple times a day, whether it's I'm about to go to the gym. Um <laughs> while we we're talking, I had a delivery just guy pop in my office. Uh, I just had a weight vest delivered. So do I mean I'll throw a weight vest on now and go for yeah. a, doing doing 30, 60 minute walk or something like that as well. Um learning, I always want to ensure that I'm learning, I'm doing some sort of learning every single day as well. Do uh, creating. Night, do you read sorry? at night?
0: Do you read at night?
1: Uh sometimes I do, but sometimes I'll get like two, three pages in and I'll just zonk out. Wow. I usually read. Uh, it's usually at about the 2 p.m. mark, yeah. um, which when I come back from the gym, I train and it's kind of like this little interim where I chill out for a bit, but that's where I'll do my learning. You've got your window. Um, yeah. So the reading or part there. And then one of the other rituals, uh, I think there's heaps depending on what you call ritual, but I think the end of the day, I find very important. So like being able to properly wind down, I'm, you know, wife and I are in bed asleep and. Um, do I mean by eight thirty, but making sure that I can have the time with my girls in the afternoon, so I can be a good father. But also then having the time with my wife as well in the evening, and making sure that do I mean we can have some quality time there.
0: Awesome, mate! You're doing great. And sorry to jump that one on last year. We'll get your stuff in the show notes, mate, brother. You've been a gem, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And I think you, I think you're helping a lot of men out there. And uh, long may that continue. You are doing very good work, my man.
1: Beautiful. You know, thank you, brother. Have a amazing day. We'll chat soon.
0: See ya champ. Hey, you. Hope you enjoyed that episode and you learned lots from it. it. takes a wee bit of work to get these wonderful guests onto the show who share their knowledge with you freely and generously. So it kind of makes sense for me to ask you a tiny, tiny, small favor in return, and that is to ask you to rate, follow, subscribe, or share this podcast whenever you get time with friends, family members, colleagues, neighbors, or anyone in your network you think might benefit from it. The reason for my request here is a simple one, and it's because I'm on a mission, and that mission is to elevate and improve the world's perception of rural sales reps by sharing more effective sales and marketing strategies so we get you and them the results and respect that you all deserve. The thing is, I can only do that when you can help me get this podcast out to a bigger audience. And that's the reason, the whole reason I created this podcast in the first place, which is to help you guys. So as you know, I've got nothing to sell you here. I don't include any of those annoying ads that affect your listening and learning experience. So I just want to thank you for sharing the show. And more importantly, thank you for investing your time with me. Appreciate it and appreciate you.